0: Hi, I'm Trevor. And I'm Laura. We're married and we like to do a lot of different things together.
1: But what got us together initially was that we love to eat and we like to drink.
0: And we love to learn how our favorite foods and beverages came to be.
1: In each episode of this podcast, we'll talk about something delicious and answer the question,
0: Where did this this come from? from? So I guess the first thing we should do is probably address the 45-pound gorilla in the room. <laughs> We've had a week. We've had quite a week. We oh yeah,
1: have. That was that was like two days ago.
0: That was. That was 48 hours ago. So uh, stop being cryptic. Laura and I got a dog.
1: We adopted a dog.
0: Sweet little eight-month-old Stevie.
1: little Stevie. Girl Stevie, as in Nicks and or Bud.
0: From Shit's Creek,
1: Creek fan. Um, she's a real sweetie.
0: Stevie the podcast pup.
1: Yes. Um we're working on training with her. She's got she's she's really smart.
0: She's too smart. She's, she's like too, too smart, smart for us, for our ability to she train anticipates
1: right um like our commands ahead of time. So yeah. She'll just like get the treat. So we're, we're working through things. But, but it's very
0: exciting. We're super happy. Is, Stevie's yeah. happy. She's, uh, She's a wonderful little, wonderful little rescue dog adjusting to uh, life in our house. Yes. Uh, so if you hear some clicking and clacking or growling or barking in this episode, it's because we now have a dog in our house, <laughs> which we haven't had for previous episodes. Uh, a couple other things I want to talk about is this is our 15th episode. Wow. Of season one.
1: We've been doing this for 15 weeks.
0: 15 weeks. More than that, actually, because we started recording a Ahead few weeks before, yeah, we, that's true. before we started the season. Uh, and I'm happy to say we've got picked up for a second season.
1: All right. By
0: ourselves. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> there's going to be, we're going to wrap up 20 episodes in season one. We're going to take some time for ourselves around the holidays. Uh, and then we'll be back with a, with a second season in the in the wintertime.
1: Yes. So stay tuned. Very huge. exciting.
0: going to be some great topics in season two. A lot of really fun guests we have on the books already, too. Um, I cannot believe that Thanksgiving is on Thursday. Me either. I mean,
1: I know it'll it's be on, a weird thing. I know it's on
0: Thursday since it's always on a Thursday, but I mean literally in three days. This coming this Thursday. Thursday yeah. Which is wild to me.
1: I know. This year is flying by.
0: On that note, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Where Did This Come From? I'm Laura. I'm Trevor. And this week. Needless to say, it's our Thanksgiving episode. Yes,
1: we're talking about Thanksgiving. And we're going to do a slightly different format today. A little bit of a different episode. Um, So Trevor is going to go through kind of the history of the first Thanksgiving. High level and hopefully more historically accurate than we all learned in grammar school. Yes,
0: it'll be as high level as I can get about any topic. Right. And Uh, then
1: we'll, um, after that, we'll kind of go through some of the most popular side dishes and quick fun facts about those.
0: The side dishes that you yourselves actually said were your favorites on our Instagram posts from just a couple days ago. So
1: thank you for participating. We agreed with
0: most Yes, Stevie, thanks you for answering her question for her. (laughs) Yeah. And if you're wondering if we're going to exploit our cute, adorable dog in a lot of our podcast posts. Probably. The answer is yes. (laughs) We probably will.
1: We will do that.
0: So like Laura said, to get things started, I'm going to be going into the history of Thanksgiving. And we said this a second ago, but I mean the true history, which isn't always as shiny... As we were taught growing up, as we've, you know, discovered about a lot of things in researching topics for the first season. So in September 1620, a small ship called the Mayflower, as we all know, left Plymouth, England, carrying 102 passengers. And these folks were seeking a new home where they could freely practice their faith And they also had other individuals on board who were not of the same religion necessarily, uh, but they were lured in by the promise of prosperity and having the ability to own land Mm. in the New World, which was a a harder thing for that probably class of person to do in England at the time. Right. Now, this crossing lasted 66 days. I know. Over two months. And it was brutal. Cramped quarters, rough seas, really, really bad weather, uh, and a lot of illness, made this far less than ideal for most of these people. Yeah. How many people made it? Uh, most of them actually made it. I didn't. What I didn't uncover is how many people died on the voyage here. Oh, okay. But you'll see a little bit of something-something in a minute. <laughs> so six, 66 days later, I think it was November 11th, um, they arrived near the tip of Cape Cod at what is now Provincetown, which okay. if you haven't been, beautiful place, literally right on the tip of Cape Cod. Uh, but this was much farther north, uh, than their intended destination, which was the mouth of the Hudson River. Oh. So they okay. missed it by a bit. They
1: overshot that a little bit. Quite a bit.
0: Uh, so they hovered around there for about a month, five weeks. So they stayed in Provincetown. And then they crossed Massachusetts Bay, which if you're looking at a map, is the northern part of Cape Cod. So that kind of crescent mm-hmm. part from P-Town. Hook. Yeah, across to where they landed, which is in, as we all know, Plymouth. Plymouth. So they took off from Plymouth and they landed in Plymouth. Plymouth.
1: Super creative on Super the naming, creative. guys. <laughs> um,
0: now they obviously they named it New Plymouth at the time, uh, but since it's it's since changed to just Plymouth, Massachusetts. <laughs> it's so
1: funny. They're like crossing the seas to go to this brand new place. They had
0: sixty six days to think of a new name, and
1: they could not think of anything else besides where they just left.
0: We'll call it Plymouth <laughs> anyway. Uh, so the Pilgrims. As they're now commonly known, we all learned, we called Mm -hmm. them the pilgrims growing up. Uh, This is where they began establishing their village in Plymouth, Massachusetts, right? By Plymouth Rock Mm -hmm. and Plymouth Plantation. Now, we know them as pilgrims, but they didn't call themselves pilgrims. Um, But they were literally religious pilgrims escaping persecution. Mm. So that's what they've become known as throughout history. Oh, historically, Yeah. yeah. They were actually called separatists. Yeah. Is what they called themselves. So quick backstory into these folks. So when King Henry VIII broke off from the Catholic Church, and I say broke off, he was excommunicated for divorcing <laughs> and killing his wives. Mm-hmm. Uh, he created the Anglican faith, or otherwise known as the Church of England. And over the years, probably like 70, 80 years, uh, Puritans broke off from that group. So mm-hmm. they were you know, an, offs- an offshoot of the Anglican faith. Um, Because they thought that the Church of England didn't veer far enough from the Catholic Church's teachings.
1: Interesting. And we've
0: read a lot about Puritans. Mm -hmm. I think Nathaniel Hawthorne is an author. He wrote a lot about Puritans. Puritans were the ones that we always hear about in the witch trials of Salem. Right. The separatists were even more fundamentalist than the Puritans were. Great. Which is saying something. (laughs) Right. Right um so they were the ones that came over and we now know them as the pilgrims mm-hmm. and since it was illegal for them to practice a faith that wasn't church of england that's why they, they packed up and, and shipped out to the new world yeah
1: so they could be super strict in their religion
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah super strict and fun 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 right uh they got theirs though so throughout that first winter which was brutal brutal yeah. brutal, brutal most of the colonists actually remained on board the ship Because they didn't really... They hadn't settled any land yet.
1: Right. They didn't build... They hadn't built any structures. So
0: you're in a a ship that's not weatherproofed. Oh my gosh. In a New England winter on the water.
1: I'm cold just thinking about that. So they
0: suffered from exposure. Yeah. Scurvy. And outbreaks of a lot of different contagious diseases. Wow. That they brought with them, obviously. But... Yeah. So you asked the question earlier. 102 set sail. Only half of the Mayflower's original passengers and crew lived to see that first spring.
1: Okay. Yeah. So
0: So 50-ish survived. Wow. And the remaining settlers, they're like, oh, let's get off this freaking boat finally. They moved (laughs) ashore uh, and they received an astonishing visit um, from an Abenaki uh, tribesman, indigenous person, Native American. I'm going to end up using the term a couple Mm -hmm. different ways throughout the episode. um, Who greeted them very warmly in English. Wow.
1: How how did that
0: happen? <laughs> so that must have blown their minds. First, yeah, of
1: all. or maybe not, because they were like, "Everyone speaks English." Everyone speaks cause... English.
0: <laughs> yeah. um, several days later, that uh, Abenaki man returned with another Native American, who we all know by the name of Squanto. Mm, okay. So we all think Squanto was the first one to greet them. To greet them, but yeah. Squanto was a fascinating character, and I wish we had time to go into this. But that's someone else's job on someone else's podcast. Yeah. So Squanto was a member of the Patuxet tribe who had been kidnapped by an English sea captain, Ugh. yeah, and sold into slavery. Ugh. He then escaped enslavement and escaped to London, where he then returned to North America on an exploratory expedition. So oh my he gosh. he got yeah he was brought to to Europe somewhere, right? Sold into slavery, escaped got to London, and then got and was back able to, to where come he back. came from.
1: That's kind of amazing. So
0: he was the one who brought English, as far as with I can tell, he's the one who brought English to the, the local tribes of the area. Okay. So that's probably how the Abenaki learned English. Wow. Um, also, the pilgrims weren't the first Englishmen to come to North America. Even. Right,
1: right. That's fascinating. Yeah, I definitely never learned that
0: I didn't in either. School. Yeah, I didn't either. I was always wondering how they communicated with each other. Right. And it was apparently very easily by yeah. just talking to one wow. another. So Squanto taught the pilgrims, um, who were weakened heavily by that winter, malnutrition, (laughs) illness. He taught them how to cultivate corn, um, extract sap from maple trees, Mm -hmm. uh, catch fish in the rivers, and also, most importantly, avoid the poisonous plants of the area. Because they were probably just trying to eat whatever they could get their hands on. Eat anything, yeah. He also helped the settlers um, form an alliance with another tribe called the Wampanoag, Mm -hmm. um, which we've heard the name of growing up Mm -hmm. here. Um, and that alliance would endure for more than fifty years from oh. that point. And That's like sadly, longer than yeah, think, I anticipated. Right? It remains one of the the sole examples of true harmony existing between European colonists and indigenous people of North America. Just for those fifty years. Pretty much, yeah. And that kind of that specific alliance of mm. the Wampanoag and the the European settlers. Wow. So in November sixteen twenty one, after their first Um, successful corn harvest for the pilgrims, governor of Massachusetts Bay Colony William Bradford organized a celebratory feast and invited a group of the uh, Native American allies from across different tribes, uh, including the Wampanoag chief Massasoit, another name we've heard growing up around this area. Mm -hmm. Now, this is what's remembered as America's quote-unquote first Thanksgiving. But... The pilgrims themselves probably didn't use the term at the time. Right. Um, The festival lasted for three days, too. Yeah. So it was like like a harvest festival. It was mostly a harvest festival. Um, Now, no record exists of the first Thanksgiving's exact menu, but much of what we know about what happened at that first Thanksgiving actually comes from pilgrim chronicler Edward Winslow, who wrote, and I'll quote, and I'll, I cut out some of this uh, because it was very long. You're paraphrasing. I'm not paraphrasing. um, This is verbatim. But I cut out like certain pieces of it. Excuse me. Our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling, that so we might after a special manner rejoice together, after we had gathered the fruits of our labors. Many of the Indians coming amongst us, and amongst the rest their greatest king, Massasoit, with some ninety men, whom for three days we entertained and feasted, and they went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor and upon the captain and others. Wow. Yeah, so literally a, fe- a huge feast. Right? Deer, fowl, fowl. so I'm, I'm guessing pheasants were around and mm-hmm. maybe wild turkeys, I'm not quite sure. Um, but mostly it was like, let's celebrate our bountiful harvest. Harvest. <laughs> bountiful harvest. Uh Tanner. And it was actually quite a religious ceremony for the uh, separatists, for the pilgrims. Oh. It was a thanksgiving to God for giving them such a bountiful harvest. Oh. And that actually, that thread of being a religious holiday carried through for a long, long time with Thanksgiving. And we've obviously since lost it as a, it's right. a much more secular holiday these days. Now, historians have suggested that many of the dishes were probably prepared using traditional Native American spices and cooking methods, because mm-hmm. uh, the Pilgrims had no ovens at the time, and the Mayflower had pretty much run out of sugar, so there was not a lot of their things that they were used to using. And since there was no sugar, um, there was no desserts, no pies, right. cakes, anything like that that had become like the, the, the contemporary is, standard yes. of any Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, day. half
1: of Thanksgiving dinner is like, you know, looking forward to the dessert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, for me anyway.
0: I mean, for both of us. I mean... yeah. We enable each other on dessert. We both. We've had a lot of sweet topics this season so far. (laughs) It's true. Now, the pilgrims held their second Thanksgiving celebration not until two years later Hmm. uh, to mark the end of a long drought that threatened the year's harvest. uh, And it prompted Governor Bradford to actually call for a religious fast because they were running out of food. Oh, wow. So like pray... Don't eat. Pray. Don't eat. Let's ration this food that we do have. Yeah. So days of fasting and Thanksgiving on an annual or occasional basis became really common practice in other New England settlements as well. Hmm. So it wasn't necessarily an annual thing. It was like when they actually wanted to give thanks for something really good happening. Right. So I talked about that um, alliance. Right. Right. So Massasoit, who was the king of the Wampanoag tribe, or the chief, they called him king. The leader. They understood king. In their minds, so he's listed as king a lot of times. Mm, yeah. Uh, he proved sense. to be a crucial ally to English settlers in the years following the establishment of Plymouth. So he set up with the settlers an exclusive trade pact uh, and allied with them against the French and other local tribes that would try to attack them, like the Narragansett and the Massachusetts Indians. Oh, wow. But... Like anything else um, with the European settlers, Ugh, it became it, yeah, it, uh, it became strained naturally yeah. over time. Um, not naturally. I shouldn't say that. It just they well, just couldn't let it be. Yeah, um, so thousands of English colonists after this. this wasn't a big group that started out. Thousands of colonists poured into the region throughout the seventeenth century, and authorities in Plymouth began asserting control over most of the aspects of the Wampanoag lifestyle. Mm. Uh, as settlers really increasingly ate up more of that land and took their land away from them.
1: Yeah. Ugh, I so know. It's so upsetting. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, it's one of those things that you'd like know that it happened because that's how we are all here today. I okay. am
0: better than you. I am taking I'm gonna, Yeah. I'm I've,
1: taking. I've used you for what I needed you for. Yeah. And now that we feel secure in it and we have increased numbers, uh, we're going to be oppressive. Yeah. So- Anyway, very different. That's a very different episode. This good um, history to it relearn.
0: It's estimated that disease had already reduced the Native American population in New England as much as 90% from 1616 to 1619. What? Yes. It's estimated. By 90%? By 90%. Uh, indigenous people just continued to die from what the colonists were calling Indian fever.
1: That they gave to
0: them, which they probably gave to them, yeah. absolutely. So, needless to say, by the time Massasoit's son Metacomet, who the English called him King Philip, uh, inherited the leadership, relations were just frayed beyond beyond mm. repair. So, King Philip's War, which was a, the actual name of the war, started when several of Metacomet's own men they were executed because they murdered uh, a punka Poag interpreter, which was another tribe. Who had converted to Christianity. And he changed his name from his original native name to John Sassamon. Hmm. And they murdered him because basically he was like sleeping with the enemy, a traitor to their their kind. So Wampanoag warriors responded by embarking on a series of raids. And the New England Confederation of Colonies declared war in 1675. And the war was horrible. It was bloody, it was devastating, and it was really, unfortunately, just the beginning of what would happen to most indigenous populations across the country Hmm. uh, as settlers expanded their reach into the new world. Now, this was all from the same people who 20 or 50 years earlier had sat at the same table and had that peaceful Thanksgiving dinner. And the exact numbers aren't known, but the war's ultimate death toll could have been as high as 30% of the English population and half of the Native Americans in New England. Wow. And this is a war that is not talked about.
1: Right. Yeah. We, we, I don't know. Just thinking back to like elementary school and middle school or even high school, this is, I feel like, just totally glazed over. It was
0: totally brand new for me. It's amazing
1: like how little we learn about our own country's history.
0: And our own state. Yeah. That we live in right now. So obviously because of a lot of the true history of Thanksgiving and the people involved in creating it, uh, some native americans and many others actually take issue with how the thanksgiving story is presented to the american public mm-hmm. especially to school children which it's changing a little bit over time yeah. now in their view the traditional narrative paints a deceptively sunny portrait of, of the uh, the relations between the pilgrims and the wampanoag people yeah um and it you know masks the long history of really bloody conflict between Native Americans and European settlers that resulted in the deaths of tens of thousands of people. Yeah. On both sides, but mostly on the Native side. Yeah.
1: Well, I guess, like, if for our purposes of, like, enjoying the meal, if you just look at the records of the first Thanksgiving, it was peaceful.
0: Which is really what we learned. It just all went to
1: hell, like, afterwards.
0: Now, for more than two centuries from that point on, days of thanksgiving were celebrated by individual colonies states on different days at different times um it became a thing but it was never really
1: anytime they needed to fast and give thanks yeah
0: not even necessarily fast but like they wanted to have like a holiday to give thanks for Mm -hmm. something great that happened um it was no thread of like this is thanksgiving right but in 1827 uh the noted magazine editor and writer sarah josepha hale who wrote Lots and lots of stuff, but most famously, she wrote the nursery rhyme, Mary Had a Little Lamb, hmm. launched into a campaign to establish Thanksgiving as a federal holiday. And this took 36 years. She published numerous editorials, sent tons of letters to governors, senators, multiple presidents over that period of time, and lots of other politicians, which earned her the nickname Mother of Thanksgiving.
1: Ah, okay. Why was she so passionate about
0: I don't having know. Having this honestly. holiday recognized. I'm not sure, to be totally honest with you. I didn't find it. It was more of like a footnote. Right. Um, I thought yeah. it was interesting that it was the author of Mary Had a Little Lamb.
1: Yeah.
0: But it wasn't until 1863, right in the middle of the Civil War, that uh, President Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln mm. obviously, proclaimed a national Thanksgiving Day to be held each November. Mm. And he did this as an attempt to try to bring people back together.
1: Right. Uh, yeah.
0: It took a couple more years at that point still for the war to end, unfortunately. Right. And he actually scheduled Thanksgiving for the final Thursday in November. Um, and it was celebrated on that day every single year from that point on until 1939 when Franklin Delano Roosevelt moved the holiday up one week in an attempt to uh, spur retail sales yeah. during the Great Depression. Yep. So now it's on the fourth Thursday of November every single year because of that. Yeah. And his plan actually was um, not met kindly. It was called Franksgiving Thanksgiving.
1: Oh really? Like people didn't want to change it, or they yeah. didn't want it to be commercial. Or like, to I think start it was, the I think it was they just holiday. didn't
0: want to change it. Yeah, um, oh,
1: people do not like change. They don't
0: like changing <laughs> changing traditions. It was met with like passionate opposition. Apparently, <laughs> so funny. So really, that is the start of Thanksgiving yeah. becoming tied with Christmas, right? Essentially, yeah. And that's where the real big commercialization of the Christmas season. Started. Really started was when Roosevelt moved the holiday up by a week. Right. So you can really focus on... On sales. Buying all those presents. I mean, say what you want about it. I mean, he brought the country out of the Depression. Right. That and yeah. World War II. But.
1: And I honestly do really like starting to decorate for Christmas after Thanksgiving. And yeah, I know. I know. I don't know. I'm, no, I'm okay it. with it.
0: <laughs> what I'm not okay with is what Thanksgiving night has become.
1: Yes, that is very true. Like, As the, far as just the, like... But the retail workers having
0: to go to work at five o'clock. That's horrible. Which, I do
1: hope that more companies are gonna stop
0: doing that. Well, they're gonna have to this year. So
1: they will have to this year. And yeah, I guess as more and more stores like go out of business,
0: <laughs> big box stores, Macy's, all those spots. Sears. Yeah,
1: but I do feel like Thanksgiving should be a a day with family.
0: It should be. And This year it will be just in small.
1: Small small, small groups and a lot of Zoom calls.
0: Lots of Zoom calls. I guess Scheduled I think day, Zoom, Zoom actually
1: um for the day of Thanksgiving, they're not doing the forty-five minute limitation.
0: That's a good call for them. Yeah. Yeah. Get nice. more people to sign up.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: So, so yeah, that's the Thanksgiving story.
1: Yeah.
0: Um what you got?
1: Um well, so I guess from all of you who entered into our little Instagram story. Um, so we got a lot of responses for stuffing.
0: We did. Which I'm on board with.
1: Uh, is personally my favorite,
0: like, Thanksgiving without stuffing. Preferably true stuffing. Where it came from inside the bird. I
1: don't need it to be from inside.
0: I I don't need it to be. I just prefer it that way. Yeah. And it weirds a lot of people out, which I totally understand. Yeah. Here's some bird cavity food. (laughs) Right, yeah. I still want it after saying that, too. Yeah.
1: Um, which I guess they, they did change officially or I don't know dressing is now like the more appropriate term because stuffing like offended people
0: wait I I thought dressing no, was just if it wasn't in it's the bird. like on
1: the side yeah
0: so yeah so if it's not if you don't actually stuff it in the bird it's, right. it's dressing, dressing.
1: Right, but right, I think right. a lot of people actually prefer the the phrasing or the word dressing rather than stuffing
0: that makes me sad but whatever I'm taking it back. Stuffing.
1: Okay. <laughs> anyway, stuffing was a big one. And I think both Trevor and I are in camp stuffing. But I did like forget. So I don't know how I forgot about mashed potatoes.
0: Like mashed I feel like it's such so a good. given. I know. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe I just didn't think about it because it's just always there. But yeah, mashed potatoes are clutch, clutch side at Thanksgiving. Yes. and And mashed potatoes without gravy would be so sad yes i agree gravy does one person did say gravy was their
1: favorite and for (laughs) that specific
0: person gravy does count as a side (laughs) you don't have to put it on anything if you don't want to
1: yeah exactly um yeah so interesting thing about mashed potatoes um the incas actually seemed to prefer their potatoes served mashed so it is thought that mashed potatoes actually stem way back to the incas
0: Interesting, and must have worked its way up through the Americas into, into North America. Right. Um, so some some
1: sources do say that the actual recipe for mashed potatoes um, originated in 1771. Um, a Frenchman named Antoine Permentier had a competition on ways to make potatoes, Um and so mashed potatoes were incorporated into that competition. Another source says that it was actually the English who came up with mashed potatoes um, somewhere in the 1600s. So given like how whitewashed our history is, like I'm guessing it probably did come from the Incas rather than yeah. from France. Well, and It also sounds
0: like one of those things, we had a couple other topics about this too, is like where potatoes were grown in a lot of different places – and life found a way. Right. Potatoes exactly, exactly. found their way to be mashed. People <laughs> realized how delicious it could be. Yes.
1: And you know what the secret to mashed potatoes is? Butter. Yes. Once I did try to make some mashed potatoes with just like a little bit of butter and they were not good.
0: They were sad potatoes. <laughs> they were
1: just not great. So, you know, it's the that. time of year to just like go for it. Get
0: that butter.
1: Go for a long walk after, but enjoy the butter in yes. your mashed potatoes. One other thing about stuffing. So stuffing is kind of, um, has been around for a really long time. Stuffing came about in like the second century BC. Um, and so a chef named Apicus created a cookbook entitled Apicus de Cornicaria. Um, and he has a lot of recipes for stuffed chicken, stuffed rabbit, pig, all this kind of stuff. So A lot of the recipes included vegetables, herbs, nuts, and, like, various meats. Stuffing became a regular staple for Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. um, back in, like, 1836. Oh, wow. So there are recipes dating back to 1836 for for stuffing specifically. Um, And then, obviously, now we have stovetop. So in in the 1970s. Um, stovetop being mass produced kind of like helped that even go even more popular. Yeah. Um, and would be more of a, the dressing rather
0: than stuffing. Gotcha. Pepperidge farm bread stuffing. That's what I grew up with.
1: Yeah. It's not bad.
0: No, it's fantastic. Yeah. I do. I do like the
1: really, like if you are patient enough to get the like baguettes or some kind of, um, bread And have it go stale. Like that does really make Make amazing stuffing. stuffing. Um, I'm getting super hungry (laughs) talking about
0: this. All right, what's the next delicious thing?
1: So, okay, so sweet potatoes. Um, So, we had a couple of people say sweet potatoes. Um, So, sweet potatoes date back to 750 BC in Peru. Okay. Um, There is some other evidence that shows sweet potatoes were cultivated even earlier than that, like 2500 BC. Um, But from Peru. So sweet potato, usually for Thanksgiving, we're having them like mashed or whipped with Mm -hmm. pecan topping or even marshmallow topping.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: So there was an American cookbook published in 1976, and they have a sweet potato pudding in there. Interesting. So similar to mashed potatoes, but they would be kind of like whipped and fluffy. I think it did have eggs in it also. Gotcha,
0: gotcha. I don't love, I don't love the marshmallows on top. I do find that a little sweet, also. It's, I mean, if you like it, get after it and and love it by all means, enjoy it. I, I, I yeah. I've had a hard time understanding the marshmallows at the dinner table, but
1: so marshmallows. So at the turn of the twentieth century, that's when marshmallows became really popular. Uh, mm. So. Previously, previous to the Industrial Revolution, essentially, uh, marshmallows were very expensive, um, time-consuming, and it wasn't something that you would, like, use in your everyday life. Um, But machines had been invented to automate the process, and so marshmallows become very readily available to everyone. And so um, housewives were encouraged to substitute them for meringue or whipped cream,
0: because it, oh, it was so easy. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah,
1: cranberries. So cranberry is one of those interesting ones that it potentially like could have been at the first Thanksgiving. Really? Potentially. I mean, we don't know. It's fun um, to pretend. <laughs> yeah, so I do find the cranberry sauce like very important to the meal.
0: It's very cleansing. Strangely it enough, kind of
1: is. It's like tart and fresh mm-hmm. against all this like heavy buttery food.
0: Quick quick survey. Canned or homemade? I like homemade. I like both. <laughs> they serve a different purpose, I feel.
1: Yeah. When I was younger, I loved the can. And I would just love, like, the sliced, you know, like, you get it out of the can you just slice it There's up. There's
0: also something about the sound of it coming sliding <laughs> sliding <laughs> out of the can into the bowl in the perfect can shape, no less. Yeah. I think the canned is better for day-after sandwiches.
1: I could appreciate that
0: if you can just, slice it.
1: I really like the texture of the homemade cranberry sauce and like a little orange zest. Yeah, it's more like a chutney. It's, it's a chutney, yes. Um, but cranberries are one of the few Native American fruits. Uh, so, along with grapes and blueberries. Um...
0: And you mean that they are native to America? Yes. 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 I want to clarify that. Yes. Sorry,
1: that is a good, <laughs> good, good point and specifically
0: cranberries in like the part of the country we're in actually exactly
1: in new england but okay so um early americans and native americans the people um would eat cranberries regularly and sometimes like dried cranberries so they would
0: keep um like craisins are that old (laughs) not the (laughs) brand name obviously but like i can't
1: even think of that um, and it was usually eaten with gameier meats, so like turkey, goose, etc. Mm. Yeah, so there are reports of original Native American cranberry sauce recipes that date back to the 17th century. Um, wow. But, and that does include like cranberry plus sugar. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they didn't have the sugar until. The colonists came right, over. Right. Um, so. They were
0: they were tapping maple trees, though. I oh, if they that's were... true.
1: That's true. Yeah, maybe it wasn't granulated sugar. Yeah. But um, yes, and then also, so cranberries could have very well kind of like been around. Um, well, they were for, definitely around for the first Thanksgiving to be to be eaten. Uh, the other thing that is also Native American in its origins is wild rice. Really? So wild you know rice,
0: rice native stuffing? to the country. So
1: probably not so much in New England, yeah. um, but in northern Minnesota, there is a tribe that called the Ojibwe tribe, um, and they have been harvesting wild rice for like centuries. And actually, wow. you can you can actually buy wild rice um, from this location, White Earth Reservation. Cool. And so again, that's just kind of an interesting thing like we mm-hmm. could have had a wild rice stuffing it's dating true. way back
0: wow that is really interesting yeah oh,
1: and i do like wild rice stuffing yes like
0: some like sausage and yeah
1: celery and it's all that good
0: delicious. stuff. delicious all the stuffing all, basically
1: any stuffing is great i know I, this we, is yeah.
0: like us talking about mustard <laughs> i know <laughs> like so all nine,
1: the different kinds, and of this stuffing.
0: is 19 minutes of stuffing <laughs>
1: um so, fun fact, what do you think is the most popular dessert for Thanksgiving?
0: What do I think? Hmm. The most popular Thanksgiving dessert. I'm going to go out on a limb and say a pumpkin pie.
1: You are correct. Am I really? Yes. Pumpkin pie I'm across the I'm actually surprised. US.
0: I know. I didn't think a lot of people liked that pumpkin I know. pie. Maybe it's like they don't. But I'm good for one slice a year. I... I just am
1: so much more interested in other types of pie.
0: <laughs> I'm very pie-centric. I have deep pie needs. Um,
1: but yeah, so uh, across the U.S., pumpkin pie is the most popular. There are varying preferences um, depending on the geography. So pecan pie. Pecan pie is very popular in the South. Makes sense. And apple pie is very popular, like, beating... Pe- uh, Um, pumpkin pumpkin pie (laughs) thank you beating pumpkin pie so apple pie in in like the northeast and pecan pie in the south but across the entire country pumpkin is numero uno so yeah that's those are our quick fun facts about all the side dishes excellent Um, now that
0: sounds delicious all of that sounds delicious I know
1: I'm actually really excited which one
0: was the most um, upvoted one if you will what was the most mentioned one Um, out of everyone's responses most
1: mentioned was stuffing
0: it was stuffing yeah Mm -hmm. I think I saw a few. I mean, it must have been a close follow with the sweet potatoes.
1: Yeah, there were a few sweet potatoes. Oh, you know which one I didn't mention and I also didn't research anything on Fun Facts is green bean casserole.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Which in my family Huge. is the big one.
0: Yes. On Irene's green bean casserole. Yes. Invented so by the Campbell Soup Corporation, I would imagine. <laughs> I in cahoots with French's fried onions.
1: Yeah. I don't know what it is about like
0: the... It's the three green... ingredients.
1: I know. It's, it's so good. It's so easy.
0: Delicious. Amazing. Uh, I had a few resources for okay. my bed. So I used predominantly almost the entire of what I talked about was from history.com, mm-hmm. a wonderful resource there. Uh, believe it or not, businessinsider.com gave a lot of good insights, uh, and plymouth.org. Awesome. Yeah, uh,
1: My fun fact research went to uh, foodandwine.com, npr.org, marketbasketfoods.com. Uh, and a little blog called fourpoundsflower.com. Ooh,
0: four pounds flower. Yeah. Sounds fun. Great. So, so yeah, that's that's it for the that's it for the episode this week, everybody. Great. Um, yeah, thanks
1: for the history lesson, Trev. Because yes, I kind of forgot
0: slash didn't know a
1: lot of that. So
0: I didn't either. Honestly. It was yeah. really interesting to read some of it. It was some of it was a downer, so I apologize if I yeah, can't. Yeah, I know. It. But it's a wonderful week ahead of us, everybody. Yes. It's a great holiday coming up. Uh, I would I would ask that you wish Laura and I luck with our, our new companion Stevie. Uh, we're still learning, um, so if anyone has any dog tips, yes, feel free to please. DM us in, uh, in Instagram. Us. Which leads me to my next point. Please. Follow us on Instagram at Where Did This Come From underscore Pod. Weekly posts, uh, Wine Facts Wednesdays when we're not getting a new dog. Uh, in the yeah, house. Last week we we're trying to stay, quiet. try to stay consistent with some of that stuff. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe on uh, on your favorite podcast platforms as well.
1: And most importantly, have a wonderful and safe Thanksgiving. Stay well. Be healthy um, and enjoy all of the delicious food that you'll have on Thursday.
0: And we'll see you next week on another episode of Where Did This Come From. Gobble, gobble!